All right, we're still in 1 Corinthians tonight, chapter 14. We're working our way toward the end. And uh, if you look at the title, I know in my ESV Bible, the title is Prophecy and Tongues. Now, that's not the greatest chapter for a person teaching in a Baptist church. All right, but luckily, I don't really even have to to delve into the world of whether or not the gifts of tongues and prophecy exist today. We could speak for a long time on that and have a lot of different opinions, okay? But it would be a little bit of a fruitless conversation, to be honest with you, and it misses the point. It misses the point, and in a similar way, the, the Corinthians, okay, and what Paul is addressing here in this chapter, uh, they've been missing the point also. Uh, they're way more focused on, on, uh, on the spiritual gifts than necessarily the body of Christ and the church. So I've titled this lesson tonight, Don't Miss the Mission. Don't Miss the Mission. And I want to start, we're going to have some more table discussion, okay? So uh, I want us to, I got some, uh, there's these handouts on your, on your table, and there's a series of questions, but what I want us to do for just a few minutes here, five or ten minutes, um, I want us to uh, answer the first one. And the first question there is, what is the purpose of a church, its mission? What's the mission of a church? And I've, I've put some uh, scripture reference that you could probably divide up at your table from Acts and Corinthians and 1 Peter and Matthew that might uh, give you some clues but just see if you can come up with a few words to describe what a church is supposed to do. What do we look for in a church? To take a few minutes. All right. So what's some people come up with? What's the what's the mission of the church? Make disciples. That's for sure. That was fellowship. What did fellowship mean in the early days of the church? Did life together, right? This, really, Bible Fellowship, good name for it, right? What else? Family, serve, you said? Yeah, family. Prayer, yes, for sure. Spread the Word of God, teaching, yes. Right, worship maybe, praise, talks about in Acts. Mm -hmm. So then let me ask you the second question on there. What is our purpose in the church, our mission? What's, what's your mission and my mission in the church? I mean, we could, we could define that in a lot of ways in talking about what our role is as a Christian, but inside of a church, what would you say? Be there to serve. Serve, yeah. I mean, I, I, I put on here our mission is to support the mission of the church. I mean, I really think that's what our role is inside of the church, right? To support all those other things that we talked about up there. You know, one of the things that we will see in this chapter is, you know, Paul talking about that. You know, what's our, what's our role in this? And one of the things you're going to see us talk about is it's the edification of the body, building up. You know, I would add to that, you know, why are we building up the body? So that... The members, us, okay, the members of the church can live to glorify Christ and reach the lost. And I think that's right because it follows the, 
two greatest commandments, right? To love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love others as you love yourself. So I would say that the building up of the body so that the members can live to glorify Christ and reach the lost. That would, to me, be kind of what our mission is in supporting the mission of the church. And that's really, if you want to know the truth, what this chapter is about. Uh, Paul is really trying to keep them and us on point when it comes to this. Right? He's trying to make sure that our mission supports the mission and that we don't miss the mission. Okay, when we're thinking about tongues and, 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 and prophecy, could be any kind of spiritual gift, but he's using these two because it was the problem of the time. Okay, and he, in talking about this, he, we're going to see that he gives us really kind of two ways that if we're not careful, we can, we can swing and miss. We can miss this mission. Two ways that he uses and he teaches us. I've got two blanks there. I'll give them to you, then we're going to talk about them. It's one, focusing on self. And two, being a stumbling block. Focusing on yourself and being a stumbling block. So in the first five verses that I'll start by reading, he's going to give us really a little bit of an education on the difference between prophecy and tongues. Uh, And he's also going to give us this first way to miss the mission by focusing on self. So chapter 14, verses 1 through 5 is where I'll start. It says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophecy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. So he gives us there in those first five verses kind of this main difference, right? And that is when you're speaking in tongues in this church setting, okay, if somebody's not interpreting that, then really what you're doing is you're communicating to God, but you're not edifying anyone else, okay? And we're actually going to see later that you actually do damage. But he says... On the other hand, right, if you're uh, prophesying, then what are you doing? You're building up the body. He doesn't say anything about tongues being bad, right? In fact, he says, I want all to speak in tongues because this is a language of communication, okay, with God. But it's between you and God. It does nothing to edify. In fact, he says that no one is going to understand you, right? Nobody's going to know what it is that you're talking about, all right? It's not edifying the body, it's just edifying, if you will, you. But on the other hand, what does he say about prophecy? All right, he says prophecy, right? He's right there, he says it's upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. If you were looking at uh, the King James Version, it would say edification, exhortation, which means to come alongside someone, really. One of the meanings of exhortation is to be there, holding their hand, maybe through a difficult time, and comfort. All right, so if you're prophesying, okay, you're speaking what I would argue is life into people. Edification, you're building them up, building them up in the Lord, rallying the team. Comfort, consolation, strength also comes from that word. You're helping carry the load with them, all right? Anybody here need a little bit of encouragement tonight? All right, we all do, right? All right, that's what, that's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, if you're speaking in tongue, you're talk, it's about you, 
All right, it's about you. It's a selfishness. You're focused on yourself, especially in this setting. But if you're going to speak prophecy, you're focusing on others and helping others, encouraging others, okay? Building others up in the Lord, all right? That's what he's trying to get across here. And, you know, when we focus on self, all, th- all kinds of bad, selfish things can happen, can't they? I mean, because really, it isn't, like I said, the, the gift of Tom that's the issue here. It's just, you can see this happening, right? It's like, oh, yeah, look at me. I can speak in tongues, you know? And what does that breed? What is that selfishness, that, that focus on self-breed? It breeds pride, right? And eventually, where is pride going to lead you? It's going to lead you to death, right? You know, and it doesn't have to be, as I said, tongues or prophecy. He's just using that here is, is, is because that was something that they were dealing with at this time. It could be a lot of other things, right? I mean, just about everything we do, we have the uh, ability to make it about us as opposed to about others and glorifying God. You know, uh, I was thinking about this, like, what is a modern day tongues? You know, what would we look at? It? And we were thinking about it in today's world. And I thought, you know, one good thing is music. You know, music is um, definitely something that can be very divisive. I mean, you've probably not, you probably don't even know how divisive it is in terms of just the music, even in our own church. Just change is hard. You know, some people like the choir, some people don't. Some people like the old hymns, some people like the new stuff, and everybody's got an opinion. It can be very divisive, all right? It can also, though, uh, be about yourself, all right? Uh, especially in the, the day and age of the Christian celebrity, I've told this before, we went and saw uh, a recording artist uh, at Watermark, and uh, one of the things that I loved that night is Todd Wagner got up on there before the pastor at Watermark, and he said, listen, I am not much about Christian celebrity. The only reason these guys are here singing tonight is because uh, they only care about Jesus. So when you're out there lifting your hands and, and clapping and worshiping, just know that it has nothing to do with these guys. And it has everything to do with Christ. Right? That was such a great word. And uh, I was thinking about this, and I found an article that our worship leader, Michael Neal, uh, wrote. And he was writing about a time when he first got here, and he was talking to the choir. And he was, this is actually where Songs of the People came out of this devotional that he gave. And I just wanted to read uh, what he said. He said, like any other model of music ministry, the choir can become an idol. By that I mean the choir can begin to think it exists for itself and its own agenda of participation and gratification. If we are not careful, the choir can become a place of entitlement, gossip, envy, and strife. A lot of things that get born out of selfishness, right? All of those things. He says, we must continue to move the song from the platform to the people. That's where we got songs of the people. It has to be a song of the people, rising up in praise and adoration. We are here to wash their feet and help them fix their gaze on Jesus and bring their song to him. We are here to continually point to, magnify, praise, and adore Jesus. The worship of Jesus cannot be relegated to this platform. It must move through every seat and permeate every corner of our community of faith. What a great word, right? I mean... Same thing can be happening in a church. You know, you could take, and it can all be all about who's up there on stage and, and singing. It can all, always all be about the choir. But that is not even remotely why they're up there. They're up there to lead us in an encounter with God. Right? That's what it's about. It's about edifying the body. 
Okay, and that's really what Paul is saying here when he's talking about tongues and prophecy. He's saying, listen, this is not about you. Stop thinking it's about you. Okay, it's about edifying the body of Christ. You know, when it's about us, I think we probably all can agree that bad things can happen. You know, when you make it about yourself, when it's all about selfishness, edifying Scott, when I'm thinking about edifying me, you know, I always tell people, that, you know, the love others as you love yourself. I've had people come back and say, well, you know, Scott, I don't really love myself. I mean, you know, that doesn't speak to me. I said, well, just swap out love with serve. Serve others as you serve yourself. Because even if you don't love yourself, I promise you, you serve yourself. You're thinking about yourself. Okay, when you do that, though, bad things happen. It's hard to hear this sometimes. I wrote this down as a good thing to remember. I said, make sure your pursuit of your gift does not overtake your pursuit of Christ. Make sure the pursuit of your gift does not overtake your pursuit of Christ. We can never, ever, ever, ever forget that it's not about the gift. It's, it's about Christ. Okay? He gave us that. Why? To, to glorify him, to glorify him and bring people to him. You know, a great book I love is uh, Kyle Eidelman's Not a Fan. Uh, if you haven't read it, you should. It'll change your life. And in that, he makes a very compelling argument that I've said over and over again, that Jesus shouldn't be your first priority. He should be your only priority. Okay, not your first, because that lets you move him. If he's first today, he might be second tomorrow. But if he's the only priority in your life, you got nothing else. To the exclusion of everything else, right? Including your spiritual gifts. It's about Christ. It's not about the gifts. And what they were doing here in this church was they were making it about the gift. Okay, they were making it about them. And then he goes on, Paul does, in the next kind of verses, starting there in verse 6. He just talks a little bit, expands on this some. So he says, starting in 6 there, Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, does not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? I love this next verse. And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So if the bugle sounds like a piano, you're not going to know that you're about to go into war. We will die in our selfishness. That's what that tells me. We will die in our selfishness. Leads to death, right? So with yourself, it with your so with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner. To the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. I won't understand you. I won't know what you're talking about. So with yourself, since you're eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, since you want to do good, you're trying to do good, strive to excel in building up the church. Edify the church, not yourself. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. What he's saying here is, listen, it's okay. You can, you can have this communication with God, okay? But, but, but let us in on it, okay? If you're doing it for yourself, do it for others also. And he goes through this list of the, of the things where this is important. He says, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will, I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. I will, I will tell you about it, okay? 
Otherwise, if, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can one, anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? All right, like Stephen Furry says, they shout him down with the amens. There's nobody going to be able to shout you down with an amen if they don't know what you're talking about. They're sitting out there, they're confused, right? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. He said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Well, that, that really sums it up, doesn't it? I'd rather have, have that one guy with the beat-up, out-of-tune guitar singing from the stage to edify the body than a thousand-person choir edifying themselves. Right? That's what he's saying. I'd rather speak five simple words that help you, that encourage you, that, that console and comfort you, that build you up, okay, than thousands that are just building myself up has no benefit to you, to the church, to the body. So the first thing, the first way you can miss the mission, selfishness. And then there in verses 20 through 25, we get the second way, okay, being a stumbling block. And in the first couple of verses there, he's talking about, we'll see, he's quoting from Isaiah, okay, Isaiah um, chapter 28. He says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen, says the Lord. So what he's talking about there is if you go back and you study the chapter 28 of Isaiah, um, they were, it was one of the times when the Israelites were attacked and, and slaughtered by a foreign uh, country, and the sign of, of of cursing, if you will, against them was this foreign language. Okay, So that's what he's saying is, you know, they didn't listen then, the people of Israel and, and these people of a foreign ter- tongue I used to destroy them. So he, then in 22, and some people have said that this is one of the most confusing verses in the Bible. I, I don't find that to be true, but a lot of people say that. It says, thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Very confusing to some people. Okay, it says, thus tongues are a sign not for believers. Kind of goes against a little bit what he may have been trying to say. It was a language between you and God, right? But for unbelievers. Well, prophecy is a sign for, not for unbelievers, but for believers. I think what he's saying there is, listen, the reason it's a sign, we'll see in the next verse, is, is to unbelievers is because, you know, they're looking at this and they're thinking, oh, they're cursed. You know, the unbeliever is seeing this person speak in tongues and and look what they say here in the next one. It says, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speaks in tongues and the outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Right? They're going to say they're crazy. That's probably what a lot of us would think if we walked into a church and everybody was speaking in tongues. You'd be like, they've lost it, right? And what are you going to do? Turn around and hightail it out of there. It's going to scare you to death. I think about that in some churches that I love, okay, that speak in tongues. And I think the same thing. I'm like, it's just not necessary. I mean, people never get inside the door to find out what, what you're really about because they're scared to death of, of what they see. That's what he's saying even, even in this day. He's saying, listen, if an outsider comes in here, they're going to think you have lost your mind. And what you were using then as a gift 
okay, for, that God gave you, and, you, and you're edifying yourself talking to God, what you thought was good, now all of a sudden is going to do harm. Not only was it, you know, not only is it not edifying, nobody's getting any benefit from this, now it's a stumbling block, right? People are turning away. People are turning away. But then, you know, on the other hand, but if I'll prophesy and an unbeliever or an outside enters, this is where it gets good. He is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that's what I want right there. I want that prophesy part. I want what we do as a church, right? When people come in, outsiders, unbelievers, I want them to hear it, and I want them to fall on their face to worship God. I want it to be life-changing. I don't want to run them off. I don't, want, I don't want whatever we do, okay? And in our world, it may not be speaking in tongues. It may just not be being friendly to somebody. It may be just the way you treat somebody that's their first time here, you know? You didn't say hello to them. You didn't go up and talk to them. You didn't maybe smile, you know? You weren't loving towards them, right? I mean... It's not, remember, we're not really just talking about tongues. It's, it's all kinds of things. The spiritual gifts that we're given that, you know, maybe we're not using in the right way to edify. And maybe even worse, you know, sometimes they get in the way. Sometimes they turn people away. You know, and, and, and we miss this opportunity. And another good thing, cool thing about this, that word worship, okay, to praise and honor God. This is the only time it's used in, in Corinthians, first or second. The only time. All this talk about the church is the only time it's, it's used. I checked all the different translations. They all say worship, which is interesting. You know what it says to me? Anytime the word of God is spoken, people listen. People respond in worship. That's why it's so important as a church that we're about preaching God's word. Staying true to the, to the word of God, to the gospel, right? That's what he's trying to get across here. He's like, listen, don't become a stumbling block. All right, don't, don't, don't get in the way of people coming to Christ, all right? You know, we're supposed to be edifying the body, helping, helping bring people in, not turn them away. So second way you can miss the mission, be a stumbling block. You can use your gifts for harm. We do it all the time. But then there in verse 26, I think that Paul helps us understand how we can stay on mission. And that's really kind of the application, right? And we've got to be careful not to be selfish. We've got to be careful not to be a stumbling block. I've talked a ton about stumbling blocks uh, as we've taught through this uh, book of 1 Corinthians. But I think there in verse 26, he gives us an idea of how we all can stay on mission. All right? And it, he says there, my title is Orderly Worship. So he's bringing us back to what we should do. He says, what then, brothers, when you come together, each, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. I don't think that's an exhaustive list, but it's a, it's a nice summary of a, of a worship, uh, of a church service. But the most important part of that is each one, each of us, okay? If we are, as members of a church and as a body of believers, want to stay home mission, then we've all got to be in the game, all of us. It didn't say, you know, he could have used a lot of words right there. It could have, been, could have been leaders, could have been teachers, could have been all kinds of different things. But each one, 
Each person has something to offer. Each of us. Each of us has a role. It requires active participation. Being a member of a church is, is, is not a spectator sport. We all have a role in edifying. It's important to hear this. It's important to remember this. We all have a role in edifying. We all have a role in building up and encouraging. All those things that came from, from prophesying, okay, that's what we're talking about here. We all have a role in doing that. We all can be an encourager. We can all be a comforter. We can all walk next to someone when they're in trouble. If you went over and looked at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul in talking about the body, he says each part working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each part, each part of the body working properly. We all, you know, and listen, as believers, we all have, there's many stages, right? We've got very mature believers. We've got some young Christians. There's many different stages, but generally speaking, okay, if you're a Christian, you should be progressing forward. You should be moving forward. All right, you should be maturing and growing, you know, becoming more and more sanctified. Right? What's that word? Big word for becoming more like Jesus. Sanctification. Developing your gifts and using them. As Paul says, to edify, to build up the body. I mean, if you're not growing, all right, if you're not moving forward and becoming a part of the body, a working part, using your gifts, you know, maybe something's wrong. Maybe something's wrong. I mean, you know, I read where one pastor who was talking about this in a sermon, he said, if you're not growing, you are at best rebellious, true. At worst, you remain dead in your trespasses and sin. I mean, that's kind of scary. <laughs> I mean, if you're a believer and God has done a work in your life and the Holy Spirit's inside of you, I mean, you should be moving closer to God. <laughs> All right, if you're standing still or moving the other way, Time to do some soul searching, right? You know, I think about it all the time, man. I just want God to please know, read my heart, you know. When that day comes, I just don't want to, I don't want to even think about it. I want to know, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know where I'm going to be. You know, if, if you don't feel that, if you're, if you're not growing, if you're not becoming a part, you know, maybe there's something wrong. Maybe you need to think about that. Let God reveal himself to you. And then if you look at verses 27 through 35, he, he talks a little bit about the how. All right, and Don't necessarily have to read these to you, but you can go and study them on your own, and you'll see that he talks about you know, how to use tongues, how to use that particular gift. He talks about you need somebody to interpret it for you. All right, Back in this day, if you're going to speak in tongues, if you're going to communicate with God, they wanted somebody to interpret it for you. you know, there's a right way to do it. You can also read, he talks about prophecy. He says there's a right way to do that too. Most important way, all right, is to make sure it matches up to the Word of God. He, you'll see there, there's a, there's a, in verse 32, it says, and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. What that means is, is that, you know, you can't go changing God's Word. One of the reasons that people believe, some, that there are no prophets today, that nobody comes and prophesies is because we've got this. We've got a complete word of God, all right? But no matter what, whatever anybody's saying, you should test it, right? The Bible tells us to test it against this. That's what it's talking about, to test it against this. It even says, if you went to Galatians 1a, it says that even if an angel says something that's not about the gospel, you should challenge it, okay? So it's going to talk about that. And then, thank you, Paul, he goes in there uh, and talks about in the last part of 33, through 34, through 35, 
Uh, it talks about women, some inflammatory remarks there. You know, makes these chapters very, uh, that's why I skip over this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, talks a lot about women, how they shouldn't be talking in church. Okay, that's really not what he means. Uh, you know, because when you're interpreting something, you have to use the whole of Scripture, right? Uh, again, you know, this is, you know, he's, he's addressing a conflict and he's addressing a situation where the wife was contradicting you know, what the husband says, it, some people have tried to make the argument that, that, a, that a woman can't prophesy because of this text is just not true. I pulled some other verses uh, to prove the point. 1 Corinthians eleven five. every wife who prays or prophesies, okay? Acts two seventeen. your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Acts 21, 8 and 9, Philip the evangelist had four daughters who prophesied. So that's not what he's talking about. Really what he's talking about is order. We've heard Paul talk a lot about order, right, and authority. And he says it there at the end of verse 33. He said, God is not a God of confusion, but is a God of peace. So he's talking about order. But to me, um, a way bigger problem than doing it wrong in today's church especially is doing nothing. Way bigger problem than doing it wrong is doing nothing. Okay? We are not called to be takers. Yet there's a lot of people, a lot of people in the church that all they want to do is take. All they want to do is take. They don't, they're not really a part of, of the edification. They're not using their gifts as part of the body. They like being served way more than they like serving, right? We know this to be true. I'm not saying anything that you don't know, all right? Charles Spurgeon called this spiritual self-indulgence. He says that spiritual self-indulgence is a monstrous evil, Yet, we see it all around. On Sunday, these loafers must be well fed. He didn't hold anything back. They look out for such sermons as will feed their souls. The thought does not occur to these people that there is something else to do besides feeding. Pretty rough. But true. Okay, we're called to do much more than just take. The body just doesn't work properly unless we're all in it together. This class does not work properly unless we're all in it together, okay? It's a big part of staying on mission, I'm telling you. It's a big part of staying on mission. And, and it isn't just leadership. This isn't a call for people to stand up and say, I want to be a leader, I want to be active, I want to work myself to the bone. That's not what this is about. And it's for sure not about prophecy, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all the different spiritual gifts that you have, about how you use those, about being a part of the each, not the outsider, right? Because you're going to fall into probably one of those two buckets. I'm talking about the each there, that each one has a part and has a role. Okay, it's, it's about being a part. And, and I, I wrote down five things that, to me, are about uh, being involved, what it means to be involved. It's the five things that I have there on your handout. It comes from the text. It's about edifying others, right? It's about building up and not tearing down. It's about encouragement, exhortation, and comfort, comforting others. It's about leading people to Christ, not away. And it's, all, it's about all of us, okay? It's about all of us. And, and, you know, you can do all of these things. Oh, I'm sorry. It is about edifying others. It's about building up, not tearing down. 
It's about encouragement, exhortation, and comfort. It's about leading people to Christ, not away. And it's about all of us. All of us. You gotta be a speed rider there. Yeah? And listen, you can do all of these things just at your table. You know, one of the things uh, uh, I was talking to Aaron about this past week is just, you know, some people, it seems to come in and out of the class. Somebody will come and they won't come for three weeks and then they'll come back again. I'm just like, well, golly, what do you do? How, I mean, what is it? I mean, and, you know, part of it's accountability, right? I look at it like, like you know, somebody invites me to an event. If it's an event where you just walk around, there's a good chance I'm going to look at Aaron and say, you know what, nobody will miss us. I'm going to stay right here. I'm just telling you, that's, what I, that's the way I think. I'm not a good, you know, walk around, small talk guy. I never have been. So I'm going to be like, oh, no, 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 I, pff, I can blow that off. Trust me. But if I'm sitting at a table, I'm like, oh, no, they're going to know I'm not there. Because there's going to be two seats right here. They're empty. They're like, we're Scott and Aaron, those losers. Right? It's about accountability. So why I say that is, you know, sitting at your table, okay, you, you loving on the person there, you supporting them, you encouraging them, building them up, okay, coming alongside of them, being in their life, right, using your gifts to edify those at your table. It'll make a difference. You'd be surprised. Because then when somebody says, oh, you know what, I just want to, I'm tired. It's a nice day outside. I'm just going to stay home. Relax. In the morning, I can watch it online. Right? Football game's on. Man, it's a good game, too. I don't want to go. You'll think differently about it. I promise you. If you know, hey, golly. Yes, Stuart and Sarah, they're going to miss me. They know. They, I sit with them every week. You know? They're going to wear me out. Where are you? Right? Using your gifts to edify, to build up. That's really what it's all about. As Paul said, each part working together to build itself up in love. So the question we have to all ask, myself too, are we doing our part? Are you doing your part? Are you a part of the body of Christ, edifying, building up, helping, loving, encouraging, extorting? Are you doing all of that? That's what we got to ask ourselves. I can't answer it for you because I have to ask that same thing to myself every single day. Am I doing my part? to support the mission of the church. Whatever we do, we just can't miss the mission. Amen? Amen. All right, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for, uh, for the body of believers that we call church, where we know that or the church is very important to you because it's the bride of Christ. We know that you love the church. Uh, Father, I, I pray that each one of us Lord, we just understand our role, our mission, our purpose uh, in this body of believers. Uh, whether we would step out in faith and get in the game. Use the spiritual gifts that you've given us to not just edify ourselves, but to edify others. Lord, the church is, is in a world filled with darkness today. And if we're going to be the light that you've called us to be, it's going to take all of us working together to build itself up in love. So, Lord, I pray for this class. I pray for each person in this class, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just bless their lives, Lord, that you would fill them with courage and strength and wisdom and love. 
And Lord, I pray, God, that every day that they will have a genuine encounter with you. And Lord, that your spirit in their life would just encourage them like never before. Lord, protect us as we go. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.